Matthew chapter 21. Usually I don't make announcements before we preach, but I will make this one. Please keep us in prayer, especially those of you who listen in on Internet. We are uh, in the process of trying to get our message, our sermons, our worship service on Sunday mornings on video uh, live. So we ask that you pray with us for that as we seek to make something like that possible so that we might be able to be seen of those of you who are listening. Not only that, but also I have uh, I work in a nursing home, most of you know that, and I've set up in our nursing home uh, one of those Roku boxes which allows us to put sermon audio on there. And some of the residents have asked me about worship services, so that would make it available for us to be able to also invite them into our worship service on Sundays. So uh, pray for us as we seek to process all of that and make that available. With that said, let us get into our text this morning, which I'm greatly humbled and yet excited to preach upon. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 17. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. When the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, Believing, ye shall receive, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray for your blessings this morning. Help us, I pray, to understand the true meaning of what our Lord is instructing us on this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified. May the Holy Spirit of God, who helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought, without his interceding on our behalf, we pray that he would teach us by thy word the blessings of what Christ promises us in these words. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, there are countless divine truths in God's Word <clears throat> that greatly intimidate me, and I'm sure you as well, especially when I'm called on by God to expound on them in the pulpit. But few intimidate me more than that is the subject of prayer. 
they all intimidate me. The greatness of God, whether it be His sovereignty, or His infinite wisdom, or His providence. Yet when it comes to the subject of prayer, I am greatly aware of my own infirmities. How is it that a man who is limited by his own infirmities concerning prayer, how is it that he could ever truly instruct others on what it is to pray as they ought when he himself is limited by his own infirmities? Except he can instruct them concerning those same infirmities which hinders his own praying. It's kind of a paradox, is it not? And yet I pray that this morning God would bless us with the preaching of this text that we might learn something more about this wonderful subject of prayer which we are so ignorant of in many ways and continue not continue not to know what we ought to pray for as we ought. And I pray God would open up its blessings to us this morning. Because there's nothing more glorious, I believe, for the Christian as he pilgrims through this world than his time in prayer with God. Oh, don't misunderstand me. I, I thank God for the times of worship that we have that we as a corporate group of believers can lift up our praise and prayers unto God. But nothing is more intimate, nothing more personal than that time of prayer. When we meet God in the private chambers of our hearts and speak to Him as Abraham did, his friend with friend, that mercy seat, which is Christ Jesus, where God promised the Israelites He would meet with them and commune and fellowship with them as friend with friend. Christ has wrought for us such a glorious salvation, dearly beloved, such a glorious salvation that we can know God and not only know Him but have fellowship with Him and converse with Him as friend with friend. And yet, I fear many of us have never reached, or never will in this present life, reach the boundless, limitless pleasures of what prayer is offered to us because of a lack of faith. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Strange is it not that our Lord would use the occasion of His cursing of a fig tree to instruct His disciples on the limitless possibilities of receiving all things whatsoever we shall ask in prayer if we but believe. And yet, though Christ would often use various occasions as He walked amongst men to instruct His disciples on the great significance and blessings of prayer, it was 
He is being a man of prayer himself, which made the biggest and greatest impression upon his disciples. Do not misunderstand me. His instructions were well received. But when they saw him pray, when they knew him to be himself a man of prayer, it moved them to request that he would teach them not how to pray, but to pray. Teach us to pray, they said in Luke chapter 11. Not how, but teach us that we might want to pray. Create in us the same desire and longing and intimate personal desire to commune with God as we hear you when you pray. Help us that our hearts like that of yours, would yearn for the presence of the Father in prayer and that we would be able to come together with God in prayer and have communion with Him as you with the Father. Oh, that we might know something of that type of praying. There have been many instructors amongst men on prayer. Many who have shared their own experience concerning prayer. Many books have been written. Many good books on prayer. Many I've read myself who've shared their own experience concerning prayer. And we have all, to some extent, more than likely been greatly encouraged by their instructions and their testimonies. But beloved, it's not until we ourselves become personally acquainted with the rich blessings and comforts of believing that whatsoever we ask in prayer we shall receive, that, beloved, we shall truly know the limitless possibilities and blessings of true prayers. Prayer is not something that we can echo or imitate from the examples and blessings and testimonies of others. It is something that we ourselves must desire to experience and to know and to acquaint ourselves. Teach us to pray. That should always be our utmost goal whenever we pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Let me know something of myself. The blessings of prayer. In all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Concerning this same event in the Gospel of Mark, he recorded it this way, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, what things Soever ye desire, not only ask, but in Mark, he goes even farther and says, whatever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. What a wonderful promise given to the believers concerning prayer and faith in praying. Boundless, limitless, 
Whatsoever things you ask, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believing, Christ promises ye shall have them. This is not a trick question. Nothing hid behind his words. I fear there are many today who have made this divine promise complicated and even confusing for themselves and others. For there are those on one side who spend much effort trying to prove that God isn't actually declaring that we have the liberty to ask whatsoever we will. That they ignore and confuse the divine promise given. They make more effort trying to explain. God's not actually saying you can ask whatever you want for. Yes, He's He's saying that. Yet they spend more time trying to say, Oh, God didn't mean that. God meant this. Then there are those on the other side who rest this divine promise to merely fulfill their own selfish and lustful desires. Oh, God promised whatever I ask, I get. So I can ask for anything I want to. Whatever my flesh desires, that's not what the Lord's saying either. Both confuse and complicate, I believe, this divine promise. Let us read the Word of God and let God speak for itself. I like how Luther quoted it in his song in German. It says, leave the Word of God alone. A mighty fortress is our God. In German, the translation is, leave the Word of God alone. It speak for itself. So this morning, I wish merely, because I'm unable and unequipped and un, have not the ability to teach you how to pray, myself being limited by my own infirmities, let us all just simply listen to the Word of God and let the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, teach us to pray. Believing that whatsoever we shall ask in prayer, God has promised we shall have. Yet I hear some saying, probably in their hearts and minds already, but preacher, I've asked for a lot of things, and sometimes I don't get what I ask in prayer, so something's wrong with this promise. No, there's nothing wrong with the promise. There's something wrong with our understanding of the promise. Because it's there. And that's why, first of all, I want you to notice the very gracious and limitless promise offered to every true believer who prays, believing. And I'll come back to that, but that's the key point. Believing. All things, our Lord said, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, he said, ye shall receive. I want you to notice how Christ placed no limits upon whatsoever we might ask in prayer, as long as we believe doesn't put any limits on prayer. All things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, you shall receive. He puts no limits on it. No restrictions. Yet why do we, when we pray, feel guilty of asking for something without saying, if it be thy will? And again, I'm not degrading or I'm not trying to blaspheme against God. It should always be in accordance to God's will, as we'll see later. But why are we so limited? We're so afraid to simply ask God for things that we desire or ask for God to ask God for things that we ask for or seek. The Lord gives us here in these words limitless 
possibilities. If you believe. This is the gracious and loving care of our Lord and Savior who invites every true believer to pour out our hearts before him freely and unrestrained. I believe this is the heart and soul of what our Lord is saying here. All things whatsoever you ask. Now, again, I'm not going to get off into that right now. He's not talking about those, basically those material, temporal things that we can ask for and make us feel better. He's talking about anything that we have need of. You, you come to me freely. You come to me with everything. You come to me with all your cares, all your worries, all your desires, all your everything. Come to me with all. This is a free offering for all children of God to come to a loving Father and a loving Savior and pour out our hearts to God for anything that we our heart desires. But so oftentimes, not only in my own prayer life, but when I hear others, it feels as though they're limited. They're like, like God's so far away, and their prayers are like, God, I, I, I don't get mad at me when I ask for this. This is Christ giving us an open invitation to come with Him, come before Him in prayer with all our desires. And yet sometimes we feel so ashamed or afraid that we're going to offend the sovereignty of God that we, we kind of shudder when we pray. Lord, Lord, you know if it's your will. Of course, I, I, I wouldn't want to do anything that's not against your will. In a sense, that's true. But in another sense, it's still not asking freely. Is not believing. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. Pour out your heart before Him. Trust in Him. How can we pour out our heart? What enables us to pour out our heart before God is because we trust in Him at all times. We trust Him. We trust him. You know what you do when you trust somebody, and you're in you're in a you're in a situation where you you have fear or anxiety, or you're afraid, or you have need of help. You know what you do with somebody you trust? You pour out your heart. You let them know everything. You don't do that with everybody. You don't expose your hearts to everybody. Oh, you're you're a fool if you do, because many people misuse that, abuse that. So we've learned by experience, especially as you grow older in life, we're cautious how we share our our sentiments, our affections, our troubles with others, because. Believe me, we've all experienced this. Some people misuse that trust. So it's hard to really find somebody we can trust in. But God is simply saying, you can trust me, and because you trust me, pour out your heart before me. Let me know everything. You say, wait a minute, God knows everything. That's not the point. God says, I want you to express it. I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me. Well, I believe, uh, like I said, I believe many people have made this promise complicated and confusing to many. Oh, it's a sin to ask for whatever you want. God doesn't allow that. Well, trust Him all times. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. He's a refuge. When I pour out my, my heart unto God and explain everything to Him, I, He's not only someone I trust in, He's my refuge. He protects me. He gives me that assurance. Peter says it wonderful as well in First Peter 5, 7, when he's casting all your care upon him. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What motivates us to cast all our care? Well, because we know he cares for us. What do you mean he cares for us? He's concerned about us. Well, God's not concerned about my wee little problem. I mean... Look at God. He, he governs the universe. He's got bigger things to worry about. I've got, my, mine's such a little, just such a little thing. I'm not even going to waste God's time. God says, no, cast your care. 
You know why a lot of Christians carry a lot of care? They haven't learned to cast it upon him. Cast it upon him is throw it at his feet. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely lead you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We carry them. Well, I prayed about it. Sure didn't, You sure don't act like you prayed about it. Well, I have. Well, you're still carrying it. Why, why are you still carrying it? You, you see what I mean? And I'm not trying to be rude or I'm not trying to be mean to somebody. I'm simply saying this is the reality. We're, we're not believing what our Lord tells us. Believing is the key, remember? All things, what's what we're asking prayer? Believing. He shall receive. So if I believe that I can cast my cares upon Him and leave them there, knowing they'll be taken care of, not that He's going to ignore me, but He's going to take care of it. He careth for me. Leave it there. How many times are Christians troubled with things and they pray and pray and find no relief? They find no relief. We'll get into that later, but he says if you have faith and doubt not, you can remove this mountain. Now, he's not talking about a literal mountain. Have you ever seen anybody move a literal mountain? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could probably say that's possible, but he's talking about those mountains that stand in our way, those mountains that seem unsurmountable, those problems that seem so huge. That's what he's emphasizing. If you pray and believe, you could cast that out. It's out of the way. It doesn't mean that problem is going to go away, but it's not going to seem like a mountain, insurmountable. We are made more than conquerors through him. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. In all what things? Tribulation, persecution, all those things. In these things. Prayer does something to our spiritual state of heart and mind when we believe by faith. Faith is not reasoning. Faith takes us above reasoning and takes us into the presence of God where all things are possible. All things are possible. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you shall receive them. What things soever ye desire. Now we'll look at a few minutes what, what is the compass for our desires. It's in our text. You say, there it is, Lord. I'd, I'd sure like to have a Porsche. Give me a new house with a swimming pool. No. As we'll see in a few minutes, faith is, the comfort, is now the compass of all the believer's desire. And what do we desire as believers more than anything? I'm getting ahead of myself, but that will be done on, in earth. That will be done in earth as it does on heaven. You see that? That's the key. We'll look at that in a few moments. Delight thyself also in the Lord, Psalm 37 says. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Oh, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Yeah, when you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. You see, when God comes first, all our desires are met in him. Hast thou not seen how thy desires have been granted in what he ordained? Oh, faith. Faith turns everything around. Does everything turns everything away. Yet James, James would declare you have not because you ask not. 
you know why a lot of Christians make themselves poor in this thing of prayer? Because they don't ask. You said, it seems so simple. It is. They don't ask. Remember the king of old, in the Old Testament, God struck him, prophet went to him and said, okay, set your house on earth, you're going to die. Okay. Well, he turned his face to the wall and began praying, began praying. And the prophet didn't get out of the palace. And God said, oh, oh turn around, go back. Turn around, go back. I just, I just condemned this man. No, turn around, go back. He's prayed. And I've heard his prayer. He came back and he said, well, great news. You're not going to die. <laughs> God's going to give you 15 years. Why? He asked. We have not because we ask not. It's that simple. Well, God's sovereign. God knows what I have need. Why should I? No, God wants you to ask. Well, God knows my need. No, God wants you to ask. And then he said, James said, then when you do ask sometimes, and receive not because you ask amiss. So either we don't ask or we ask amiss. The problem is with asking. You see what James' point is? Your problem is with asking. Either you don't ask or you ask amiss. You need to ask right. How do I ask right? Believing. Beloved, we cannot fault God when we ourselves ask not or ask amiss. You can't blame God. God hadn't answered my prayers. What well, did you ask? Yes, did you ask right? Believing. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. It's always confounded me, and still does to some extent, when you read the book of Job and all his afflictions. The first chapter of Job, Job was a faithful man of God, but he was also a faithful, loving father. Do you know Job prayed every day for his children? You know that? It's what it says. I, he prayed every day in case they did something wrong. Job prayed for his children every day, and God took them away. Well, God didn't answer his prayer. God surely did answer his prayer. You see, again, and I'll get to that in a minute, faith is the compass for all our desires and wishes. Faith is. That's the difference. See, that's the new birth. That's the new birth. You see, the old's done away with. We're a new man in Christ. We have a new mind, a new heart. All those things. Our desires aren't what they used to be. As, as lost men and women, our desires are all for the flesh and all for our pleasure. Oh, but now faith is coming in. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And You see, our life's made different by faith. Faith is the changing object. Faith is that which changed everything. Though God is all-knowing and sovereign, yet the Bible teaches us He would have us ask Him in prayer for those things we desire and seek. And I can hear some people now say, Preacher, it doesn't make any sense if God knows all things, even the secret intents of my heart, and He's sovereign, could do whatever He wants to. What's the sense of me asking Him? Because God has divinely ordained that that's how we receive His blessings. He says, you have not because you ask not. This is not to oppose or even to deny God's sovereignty or His knowing all things when we ask God. 
But like I said, it's in accordance to his divine purpose and will in giving us all things whatsoever we ask in prayer, believing. God says, you want something, you ask me. I want you to ask you when you know what I want because I want you to ask me. Really, it, it boils down to the simplicity. This is the simplicity of this promise, which people make so complicated because their theology and their doctrine, and they want to just complicate things, confuse things. Well, that's not really what God's saying. God wouldn't know. God said that. Ask. Ask. Look at Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. This one of the Lord's here says, Simplicity of prayer. We, we complicate things so much. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And I, I agree he's talking about progressive prayer here. Sometimes we ask for things, and we get it. Sometimes God wants us to look for it, seek for it. Sometimes God wants us to knock for it. In other words, vehemently knock for it, ask for it, beg for it. Amen? For everyone that seeketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, or asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Listen to the words of Christ here. Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a servant? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your, shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? In other words, our Lord's saying, you think God the Father is so evil, he's going to give you a rock for bread? If your earthly fathers can love you enough to give you what you have need of, will not your heavenly Father give you more? We lack the ability of faith to believe God wants to give us what we ask for. amazing, isn't it? Such a simplicity. Ask for it. We rob ourselves of so many blessings because we ask not. Or because when we ask, we ask amiss. The simplicity of it. That's the simplicity of it. Ask. Whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Whatsoever thing you desire. If you believe, ask in prayer, you shall receive it. The simplicity of it. Don't try to confuse that with your theology. It's there. That's the promise. Simplicity. Don't forget that. But with that said, we come now to the key, which alone can assure our hearts that whatsoever we ask, we shall receive. Namely, Faith. Look at Matthew 21. Listen to the Word of God. It's there. The promise is there. God says, Christ says, whatever you ask, you can receive. Here's the key. Verse 21. I'm sorry, verse 22. And all things, whatsoever you shall ask, <coughs> excuse me, in prayer, believing. If you doubt not, if you have faith, he said in verse 21, and doubt not, all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Believing. That's the key. I hope and pray that we're all of the same opinion and mind of what Scripture says about faith, that faith is a divine gift of God. It's a gift of God. You see, that, that's what makes all the difference in this requesting or asking. It's faith. 
faith changes everything. It sets the all things whatsoever we ask into focus. Follow me. I'm, I'm going to instruct you now more than I am, or try to, more than I preach to you. Faith is what puts the whatsoever things we ask into true focus. That's why he says believing. Faith is the divine compass, which sets all our desires upon those things we now as Christians desire and see. That's the divine compass. You see, we're different now. We're not like we were before. You see, the unconverted and the hypocrites will look at that and say, oh, that's what you need. You need to claim it. You ever hear charismatic say that? Oh, you just need to claim it. Matthew chapter 21, all things claim it. No, Christ says, no, faith is what makes the difference. Faith changes everything. For without this divine gift of faith, the things and desires we would ask or seek for would be merely to fulfill our own lust and pleasures. And beloved, that would only lead to chaos and disaster. Can you imagine that God would give us free reign to ask whatever we, we want according to our lust, our flesh, and desires? Can you imagine the chaos that would unfold after that? Can you imagine that if God gave us everything our flesh wanted? Do you want everything your flesh wants? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> Paul talks about it in Romans saying, in this flesh is no good. There's nothing good in this flesh. We have no confidence in the Would you want God to give you everything that you desire in the flesh as a believer? Of course you wouldn't. Your flesh is your greatest enemy. So of course you're going to go, no, no, that's not what I want. Christ would never permit or allow his people to follow their own pleasures and lust of the flesh. This is not an invitation to ask anything our flesh desires. This is an invitation to the elect who has faith. And faith is the compass which directs us to whatsoever things we ask for and desire. Big difference. Therefore, he instructs them to ask all things whatsoever in prayer, believing. In prayer, believing. For all things whatsoever we ask in prayer, it is by and through faith that we are assured that we shall receive them. And because we ask in faith, we can be assured that what we ask, listen to me, and because we ask in faith, we ask in accordance to faith, we can be assured that what we ask for is pleasing and glorifying to God. Can I say that again? Because we ask in faith, and faith is a gift of God, we can be assured that what we ask and what we desire is pleasing and glorifying to God. That gift of faith makes the whole difference. That's the difference between a true believer and a hypocrite. Let Christ be our example. Look over in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. In verse 39. Now listen to our Lord. He's our example here. And he came out, the Lord, and went, and as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not in temptation. 
and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. Now listen to his words. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Well, wait a minute. The Lord said that's the reason he came. Why is he asking God to remove it? No, nothing the Lord did upon earth, nothing recorded in scriptures was for himself. It was for our benefit. It was for our benefit to learn. So learn from him. If thou will, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. He's speaking in our stead. Father, the cup you've given me. Pretty heavy. Don't know if I can take this. If you're willing. That's faith. There's faith. See, without faith, the flesh would go, God, get rid of it! <laughs> no, faith says, if you're willing. He's asking. There's nothing wrong with asking God to remove a cross or a cup. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Listen to the voice of Scripture. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying your faith worketh patience, but let patience have its perfect work. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth freely and abradeth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. A double-minded man is unstable and is all away. What's he talking about? Let him ask of God. Why? Ask of God what? Wisdom to understand why he's being afflicted. There's nothing wrong with asking God to remove a cross. But faith gives us the language. The Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf with groanings and utterings, right? If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. And here's faith's submission. Nevertheless, that's the big difference. I'm telling you, beloved, it's in moments like this that you are going to receive the greatest assurance of your faith, of your salvation. It's in times like this when you're faced with bearing a heavy cup and God, because of the faith he's given you, enables you to say, Lord, nevertheless, nevertheless, not what I want because that's not my desire anymore. That's not my pleasure anymore. My desire and my pleasure now is to glorify you in all things. So if you will not remove the cup, I'll ask you if you choose not to. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is. In heaven. That's the voice of faith. You see, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. <laughs> We're not the same as this world. We're new creatures in Christ. The life of faith has changed even our desires. Are you listening to me? The world corrupts that promise because they want that only to fulfill all their lust and their desires and the pleasures of the flesh. The Christian says, no, I don't want to feed my flesh. I hate my flesh. So whatsoever things I ask in prayer, whatsoever things I desire in prayer, it'll all be in accordance to the new creature, the new life that I now have in Christ. It'll be in accordance to faith. And therefore I'm assured that anything I ask is pleasing and acceptable before God. 
over in First John chapter five. Stay with me a few more minutes. First John chapter five. Listen to John. First John chapter five, verse fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, there it is again. We can ask anything. Why don't you? If we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, there's those words again, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now listen to the wording. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. In other words, John is saying, when we ask him, knowing that it's according to his will in faith, it's as though God's already given them to us. It's already answered prayer. It's already been given to us. We act and live as though they've been given to us already. My, wouldn't that be a blessing if we could live such a prayer life? Well, I ask God, but I don't know what he's going to do. No, I ask God and God will do something. What's he going to do? Whatever's pleasing to him. And what's ever pleasing to him, whatever glorifies him, fills my desire. You, you see that? You, you see faith? Faith makes life different. It's different. It's different. All things, whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing. Unlike those who have no faith and whose desires in prayer are solely to satisfy their own lust and selfish desires, the true believer, because of and through faith, makes a difference, will always in every prayer seek not their own but those things which are in accordance to the will of God. Because now we have faith. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions as though we've already received what we ask for. that we desired of him, as though we've already asked, as though we've already received them. So Christ takes this occasion of a cursing of a fig tree, which is amazing, to teach his disciples and us on the limitless possibilities of prayer if we just believe. It's amazing. You think the disciples would have went along with that, seen that cursed fig tree and said, Lord, Teach us what it is to pray. Limitless. Tell us what it is. Where would you get prayer out of that? Think about it. Where would you get prayer out of that? All things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. Here it is. Not maybe. He doesn't even say, and don't misunderstand this, he doesn't even say, if it's in accordance to God's will, we know that that's what John says, but Christ here said, you shall receive it. I don't think any one of us will claim that God is a liar. He said, you'll get it. Oh, but you got to take in consideration, no, I don't. I'm just going to let the word of God speak for itself. You shall receive it. We have barely scratched the surface of what prayer really holds for us. Do you know that? 
That's why prayer meetings are important. Oh, I'm so blessed to hear other Christians pray because I'm so chained sometimes. I'm so captivated, enslaved by my own infirmities. But when I hear another brother pray, it encourages me and it helps me to know that each and every one amongst us, that every one of us have to deal with our own infirmities. And even though we have those infirmities, we're invited by Christ to ask, to pray. The disciples wasn't satisfied with saying, oh, let, let Christ do all the praying. <laughs> you think that's what I, when you, when you met together to pray? Can you imagine the intimidation they had with Christ? Christ pulled them to the side and said, okay, and I'm sure they prayed a lot. I'm sure Christ said, okay, let's pray. I bet they all went, oh, don't call on me to pray. <laughs> No way I can pray like him. They said, teach us to pray. We want, we want to learn. We ourselves, we ourselves want to pray. In the, with the full awareness of my infirmities and my inability to pray as I ought, I still want to pray. So, Lord, teach me. And when I fail, and how often, dearly beloved, have we prayed privately and publicly and we felt as though our prayers didn't reach the ceiling above us? Do we feel discouraged and dismayed? And yet, because we have faith, that desire to pray will never diminish never weaken and we'll try like the Old Testament prophet oh I said in my heart I'll not speak a word I'll not say any but the word of God burned with inside my heart I could not stay why do you think David <clears throat> talks so often in Psalms and I cried out to God what do you mean cried out to God I, listen, listen read Psalm 86 sometimes that's a, a very intimidating Psalm I cried out to God God, if you hear me not, I shall be like those that go down to the pit. God, be not silent unto me. And he cried out. That's the yearning. That's that gift of faith that will not be silenced in the true believer. We must, we must, we must pray. In spite of all the infirmities. And though we wish that every time we prayed, (laughs) We can experience that we're in the very courts of heaven in the presence of God and our souls are flooded. Though we wish we could always have that every time we pray, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But it still doesn't discourage us not to pray. One day, and I'm not so sure that hymn's correct. I'm not trying to be divisive here, but I'm not so sure that hymn's correct when it says we shall say goodbye while fleeting through the air to prayer. I think heaven's going to be a place of eternal prayer, constant prayer, unending prayer. And oh man, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. 
And whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing, he shall receive. God give us grace to believe that and act upon it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's no one in this room that could ever pray as we ought. Lord, we're limited not only by our infirmities, but by this flesh. Lord, it haunts us. It even hounds us in our times of prayer. Our minds try to cause guilt and shame. The thoughts run through our hearts and our minds even as we pray sometimes. And Lord, sometimes we're taken back by the things we even think about when we're trying to pray. And we feel so sinful, so full of iniquity, so vile when we try to pray. Oh God, I pray, help us to trust in the intercessionary work of the Holy Spirit every time we seek to pray. Help us, Lord God, that we'd not be defeated or discouraged. But Lord, we, as the disciples, would ever long to pray. Lord, grant us, Lord, thy wisdom and thy grace and thy spirit. Lord, help us to pray unceasingly, always. David said, morning, night, and noon I shall pray and lift my voice up unto God. Oh, Lord, make us men and women of prayer. And help us, Lord God, to understand that many times we have not because we simply do not ask. And when we ask, maybe our faith is failing. Help us to believe that we receive anything we ask in prayer if we only but believe. God, may you be honored and glorified. Guide us and direct us, we pray. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.